Father, thank you for this moment, for this time, for these people. Father, we ask that you would speak to us. Guide us, Father, that you would hide me behind your cross, that these would be your words and not mine, Father, that they would be your thoughts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Okay, so first off, I, I'll say I had, to, um, I had to give myself a little bit more space. I know I, I'm usually playing the guitar so you guys don't get to see it because the first time that I ever played guitar, I, I stopped strumming and I, I, I raised my hand. I'm a Baptocostal, I raised my hands. Um, and Stephen got on to me, he goes, hey man, I kind of need you to play the guitar if you're going to play the guitar. So I had to, but yeah, so I had to give some space because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm landing a plane when, I, when I'm praising. But and these, thank you guys. So a lot of our college students helped with um, our reverb weekend last fall. And, and they were amazing. And so when we knew that Daryl wasn't going to be here, had to have those guys. And, and the deal is, is they're so incredibly talented. And it's one of those things that they make it look easy. So you don't really understand how good they are at this. Um, they actually made a lot of transitions from the, the last service to this one. We moved a few songs. We added a few things. They did a few things. And, and so they come and, and they do this. But even outside of that, just the little nuances that are, that are going on. Um, with, with, with Chris and, and playing the guitar and singing and leading. It, it's so difficult to, to lead. And then also, Chris, dude, these things go higher. Like, he's going to have a crick in his neck. He was singing like this. He's, he's, he's like 6'4". Um, and, and so, uh, he, you know, the, the, he does that. I mean, I mean Aaron, I, I don't know if you guys see this, but, but one, Aaron was singing, but he also he's playing the guitar, and, and he has this 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 contraption here all of these pedals and all of these knobs and so he's doing that while he's playing and, and to tell you how good he is at playing the guitar actually so um before Aaron got here um and I was the 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 lead guitarist that's a that's a ooh, that's a rough terminology to give Kyle but um Daryl would turn to me and then as he was kind of getting he, he'd go hey okay so I heard it this way you think you could pick this out I go no I can't pick that out I can strum that's it and, and, and so Aaron does all these amazing, and, and, and so Kyle and Kyle, they're, they're amazing as well. And, and to, to know how talented they are, to know how good they are at this is amazing because I want, you, I want you to think about something, okay? I want you to think about something in your head is what is something that you are good at? And not just good, you are really good at, okay? Now I know there's something. So you're in your own head, don't need false humility. Like literally, what is something that you are probably better at than everyone else in this room? There's something for everybody because you, there is something that you do a hundred times a day or that you have done for years and years, but there's something that you have developed skills and abilities that other people don't have. And so how did you develop that? It was through practice. It was through repetition. And, and, and most likely it was through a, a passion for what you did. If it's something with your job, it's, it's at the very least a passion to be good at your job, to be good at what you do. But it could, it could be anything. See, whenever we devote our minds to a goal, whenever we devote ourselves to a single all-encompassing goal, it consumes us. And, and, and we're willing to put off other things. We're willing to set aside other things for the purpose of that goal, whatever that may be, however that is that plays out in your life. And so I, I want you to do me a favor. Start turning to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9. Now, here, here's the, uh, this is, a, this is a, a, an interesting thing, and there's a couple of retired pastors in this room, so they'll, they'll agree with me. Um, now, first off, I didn't, when I was putting this together, I completely wasn't thinking about the fact that the Olympics ended yesterday, okay? Now, here's the thing. Apparently, there's a, a clause in all pastors' contracts that say when the Olympics come around, you have to preach out of 1 Corinthians on Paul and running the race. Um, so I, 
I fell into it and didn't even know it. Um, I, 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 it's hilarious that it happened, but, but do me a favor. So, so 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. So do me a favor. Let's stand as, as we read. Do you not know that in a race, all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Do me a favor, keep standing real quick. I was given, I was given this other version and I liked it too and they asked me to read it and I was like, oh, let's do it. Um, do you not know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize, run in such a way to win the prize? Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you so much for, for the ways in which you speak to us, the ways in which you interact with us. Father, shape us and mold us in this time. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So, Here's a little bit of background on this passage. So we just came out of, of a long couple of chapters, eight and nine, where Paul is actually talking about how it is that he interacts and how it is that he deals with believers and non-believers in, in some different situations, some situations that, that specifically we don't run into a ton, but we can relate to at least. See, chapter eight, he's talking about food and money that are given in sacrifice to idols. See, Paul kind of sums it up where he says two things. He says, first, is, is food sacrifice to a, a, a non-entity is, is just food. Like, we know that those gods aren't real, so it's just, it's just food. However, second, second, that people don't always understand that. That people who, are grow, who have grown up in these traditions of these other gods and, and, and view that as, as a different form of worship and view that as you worshiping and as you taking part in this, that, that, that they may not understand, and that may be a stumbling block to them, that that can be a problem for them. And so Paul says that, that, that I, I have become all things to all people, that to the weak I have become weak. That's one of the things he says right before this. So, so to those that don't understand, to those that don't experience that freedom in Christ, that I have come alongside them in their lives. I have walked with them in this moment. He says that even though we have, we have this freedom in Christ, that he, he exercises a discipline upon himself to not use those freedoms so as to reach those. So, so rather, so rather than, than Paul standing over here tossing platitudes at people that really don't understand, that they, they don't have the concept and the understanding that Paul has, what he does is he walks with them. He comes and lives with them in community. Do we see this? Because he also speaks about how, uh, how, how it can be a stumbling block because as a minister, as a preacher of the gospel, he is entitled to being supported through that. But instead, because there will be people that will see him as a freeloader, people that see him as a fraud and, 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 and discount his message because of such, he and his companions go, they live in a community, they work in that community, they create goods and services within that community. And so they enter into the community. They live life next to these people. 
that they do, one, one commentator said that they do friendship evangelism. I love that term, friendship evangelism. They, 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 they live with them. They are next to them. They develop relationships. But in that, they are sharing their, their faith. They're sharing what it is that they have learned. And so when we're speaking specifically of this passage now, what Paul is talking about is that he has set his mind wholeheartedly and singularly to the preaching of the gospel, to the reaching of others for the gospel especially. Reaching out and sharing with them his passion, finding ways to speak to them, to speak into their lives and to walk next to them. So what he has done is he has taken that single-minded devotion that we spoke of, that way that we develop these traits, these abilities, these unique talents, and he has thrown all of that into single-minded devotion for sharing the gospel with others. See, following God's call on our lives takes a single-minded focus. Now, hear when I say this, because we all have other things in our life, right? We have families, we have jobs, we have responsibilities. And so when we talk about a single-minded focus, it doesn't mean that we have this block right here and that, that everything on this block is, is the focus. And so, so right here is, is my faith, so I'm going to get rid of everything else. So you heard Heather earlier when she was talking or when she was reading about um, everything we do in word or deed, that we do it as serving the Lord. See, what we do, is, is, and, and, and Jared preached on this a couple of months ago in his sermon on Matthew, is, is that, that when we talk about a single-minded focus, that we create a foundation, we create a block of our faith, that that becomes the foundation for everything else that we do in our lives. And so everything after that, that my family, that my job, my hobbies, my responsibilities, all of those fall firmly on my foundation of faith. So that's why I can take a single-minded focus of following the call on my life that God has placed on me. I can take that and, 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 and throw my heart into that knowing that if I do that, that everything else that builds on that is only made stronger. It's not made weaker. There may be some things that I have to remove. There may be some things. Y'all know me. I'm an active guy. I tend to get really, really busy. I preached on that a couple of weeks ago. Um, and, and so there are things that, that, yes, I have to remove. I say, if I am going to dedicate myself to God's call on my life and what it is he's called me to, yeah, sometimes there are things that we have to remove. Sometimes there are things that seem good that we have to remove because we, we remove the good for the eternal at times. And so when we look at this and we look at, at Paul, see, one of the things that a single-minded focus helps us to do is it helps us to overcome obstacles. Helps us to overcome obstacles so that those things do not prevent us from finishing that race. See, when he talks about being disqualified, see, here's the deal about disqualification. Disqualification means that you cannot complete what it is that you were given to do, okay? Now, I, here's the deal. I, I, there's a lot of really impressive things. And, and when we talk about the Olympics and, and we talk about people coming together once every four years, or in this case five, um, for, for the things that they do better than anyone else on the face of the earth, here's the thing that is most impressive to me. I kid you not, most impressive to me are hurdles. Here's why, okay? Anybody ever stood next to an Olympic height hurdle? I'm 5'7". It's like right here. Like these guys are, these guys and gals are running and jumping over a hurdle that's basically as tall as me, right? And, and I, I, you think, so when you, when you talk about these, these hurdles, that, that how good do you have to be? How devoted do you have to be to running hurdles to do that? See, here's the thing. I would be disqualified. I might be able to beat them in a race. Actually, I couldn't beat them. I'm not that fast. But, but um, I would be disqualified. Here's why. Because you know what I would do? I'd run under the hurdle. Like, 
it really is. It's like this, and I just go like this, and I keep running. Um, but that's a disqualification. I did not complete the task for which I was given. Here's the deal, is that when we talk about Paul, when we talk about Paul, and we talk about a single-minded devotion for sharing his faith with others, I, I, I just, I did something real quick this morning. I decided to add it in here, and, and so I went and I looked. I looked at the times that Paul was rejected, physically, verbally, spiritually, I mean, and, and like seriously rejected, not just argued with, but I mean rejected. I mean, we're talking to the point of, you know, like stoning him and trying to kill him, right? Okay, here's the deal. Don't, don't write these down because it's going to go quick. Um, this is in the span of eight, eight chapters, eight chapters. Uh, verse 13, 50, 14, 5, 14, 19, 16, 19, 17, 5, 18, 12, 19, 23, 20, verse 3, and 21, 30. Those are the times that he was majorly, majorly rejected. Now, here's the deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this much. You guys know me. Y'all know me. I like to, I like to have a good time, and, and, but I'm also a, a, a sensitive heart. Um, somebody shoots me an email that they're unhappy with me once a month. I have a rough time for about a week. And, and here, Paul goes through all of these because he has a single-minded focus. These things don't even stop him. There was a time when Paul got stoned. They thought he was dead. He gets up and walks back into the city that just stoned him. Wow. That blows my mind to think about that. Well, I, I'm sorry. I mean, if, okay, one, it probably wouldn't happen in this day, but if you guys decided I had said something bad enough that you were going to take something heavy and throw it at me, I'm probably going to leave and not walk back into the building. Right? And Paul's single-minded focus helped him to overcome obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. Think about what that looks like in Paul's life. Now, do me a favor. Think about what that looks like in our lives. What does it look like to overcome the obstacles that we encounter constantly because we have a single-minded focus on living out the calling that God has placed on our lives? Think about the things that have stopped you before. Think about the things that have, have upset you and made you turn around and go somewhere else. Think about the people that have said something that have, 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 have absolutely infuriated you that you just never spoke to again. You refuse to speak to them. You, you refuse to even try and deal with them. You don't have to do anything mean to them. You just, that's done. Think about the obstacles that get put in our way from sharing our faith, from sharing what it is that God has put into our lives. I think about when, when I think about overcoming um, obstacles, I think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Think about what happened. Jesus knew what was coming, right? Jesus knew the pain of the cross. One, he knew the physical pain of the cross, okay? Okay. Um, uh, so for any, anyone who, who has kids, um, you know if at any point you've ever had to take them to get a shot, right? Um, my kids are over there, so I'm not going to look at them because they're going to start crying already. Um, a shot, like, like, what is the worst part of the shot? It's before, right? Oh, it's going to be so bad. And, and you know, like, like when they were younger, I wouldn't even tell them what we were going to the doctor for because it was just going to be crying, screaming, wailing, gnashing of teeth, Right? Now, the deal is, though, is then they, they, they do it, and, and they, they, they do the shot real quick, and the nurses are so good, they do the shot, put it over, and then they're done. They're not crying anymore. Oh, and it was absolute misery beforehand. But it's the fear of pain so often. Think about it. He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew what was going to happen to him, and it was his single-minded focus on his purpose that carried him through that. Not just that, he also knew something that we can't really experience, but, but I can only, literally can only imagine, he knew the pain of experiencing the weight of sin for the very first time was coming. He knew it. He knew that was his purpose. He knew that in that moment, that was what was going to happen. 
and it carried him through it. He knew it so much that he was sweating drops of blood. Now, I have worried a lot before. I have had some really tremendous things that I have been scared of, I've been worried of, I've done some, some immense praying. I have never prayed so hard that the blood vessels in my forehead burst and, and, and blood was coming out of my forehead. Think about what that looks like. Think about the obstacle that he had to overcome in that point because of his single-minded focus. Following God's call on our life requires a single-minded focus in the same way that the people that are the best at everything that they do or whatever it is that they do, that they focus on those things, that's how hard we focus on our faith. Think about what that looks like. See, one of those things, one of those difficult tasks when we are talking about, about how to start that, how to do that, is that following God's call in our life means constantly testing our hearts. Constantly testing our hearts. And here's why. Our motivations and our focuses easily get shifted. Easily get shifted. Let's say that I am someone who's going to the Olympics and I am going to, uh, uh, to compete. And for years, for years, I have been nailing my training. I've been doing everything that I was supposed to. I was doing all the grueling parts, all the terrible parts, all the awful parts. Because, man, you know what I want? I want to be the best in the world. And, 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 and I want to stand up on that podium. And, and, and I want to celebrate that victory. But what happens maybe is that, that, that now all of a sudden I, I think a little bit more about everybody telling me how awesome I am. I, I start to think a little bit about, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the Wheaties box. Do they still do Wheaties boxes for Olympians? I don't know. Um, but, but the Wheaties box or, 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 or the commercials or, or all of these things. And so now what happens is I am no longer focused on the goal. I am focused on the result. Now the goal has become a means to my end. It's become a means to my end. Now, here's why, we check, here's why we have to check our hearts to Scripture. Ready? God is the goal. He is not a means to that end. So here's the deal. I do all of these things. I'm going to use, y'all know me. I don't, I don't speak about you guys. I don't know what is, is specifically going on in your life. So I'll speak to me. Ready? If I do this right here, if I do this, and I preach, and I do it, I do it, and I use scripture so that way when you leave here, you walk out those doors, and I do it so that way hopefully you shoot me an email and say, Kyle, that is the best sermon I've ever heard. You are an incredibly gifted preacher because I want you to tell me how awesome I am. I am using God's as a means to my end, as a means to my end. Jesus spoke a whole lot about that in the book of Matthew when he was talking to the Pharisees. The book of Matthew, Jesus nails the Pharisees because so much of it was focused on their own holiness, on their own separation, on how awesome they were, that they were throwing all of these things away. In Matthew 23, 23, he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. He also says, uh, um, uh, everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide, uh, 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 like, a, like a box that you would put uh, scripture in. Uh, wide and, lost my place, and, and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. They were using God as a means to their end. 
And the deal is, here's the deal. We can look at the Pharisees and we can say, how dare you all the time. And we have a bent towards the same thing. We have the same sinfulness in us. We, we, have, that, we have that self-serving. Maybe, maybe it's not a place of honor. Maybe it's just, maybe, maybe it, I, I don't even know. I, I'm not going to start naming things. I wasn't planning to name things. And usually when I start naming things and don't plan to, it never goes well. But maybe it's not the place of honor. But, but insert what your bent is that way. What is the thing that your body or your, your, your mind kind of starts to, 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 uh, to default to, right? Those are the deals, and that's why it requires that single-minded focus. In, in um, Psalm 139, 23, and, and 24, Psalm 139, probably the second most well-known psalm behind Psalm 23, this is David. David says this. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Test me, O God. This is the same guy. See, here's the, here's the amazing thing about David, is we know David's highest highs, right? We know David's high. This is the guy who was the kid who was sent to take food to his brothers, who walks up to a battleground. Here's this big dude out on the field talking bad about the God of the Israelites and says, why hasn't anybody done anything about this? Somebody strap it on and let's go. And so they said, okay, you want to do it? He says, yes, let's go do it. And does it, does it, Right? This is the guy that, that even though it was clear that, 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 that he was going to be the next king, he, he says, I will not touch the king's anointed. I will not. Even though Saul has gone so far off the rails, I will not touch the king's anointed because uh, God did that. God did that. But here's the other deal about David is we know his lowest lows, right? See, because the same guy who said, what is that guy saying? And no, I will not touch the Lord's anointed also said, you see that lady? On the rooftop over there, bring her to me. No, 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 I don't, I'm not worried about who's here and who's not. Just bring her to me. I want to have a conversation, right? That we know both of these, that we know someone who was described as having, or who was after the Lord's own heart, fell into the same things that we can fall into as well. So we have to have our hearts tested. Paul said the same thing to the, to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, Corinthians 13. See, they were, they were beginning to fall into moving towards these teachers that had these, these massive shows of power and that had these amazing oratory skills. And, 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 and so they would look at all of these things and say, oh, that's, that's definitely a gift from God. And so they started to question whether Paul was actually an apostle, whether what it was that he was saying, because they were saying different things, but these guys were saying it really awesome or they were doing amazing things with it. And so they were starting to move towards these, 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 these other teachers, these other preachers, these other people. And what Paul's saying is you have to test your hearts. The Lord has to test your heart because what's going on is you're moving towards the shiny objects. And we all go towards shiny objects. You're going towards the guy that is the funny guy. You're going to the guy that has the best analogies. You're going to the guy that... All of these things, he's saying, you're getting away from what it is that Scripture says. You're getting away from what it is that you have been taught. You're getting away from the call that the Lord has placed on your life because of shiny objects. They distract you and you start going that way. It's why a bit in a horse's mouth is so important. You put the bit in the horse's mouth because if, I, if you, turn that, you turn the reins, wherever that bit goes is where the horse is going to start walking. You, well, let me give, it, let me give a, an example that may affect most of us. Uh, you ever been driving on a straight road and kind of look to the side? Are you continuing to drive straight? Sometimes. Okay, now there are the people in here who say, oh, yeah, I just drive my knee and I'm fine all the time, right? No, no, no I mean, like, literally... You're going to go where you're looking. 
If I tell you to run in a straight line but look over at this wall, you're not going to make it to the doors. You're going to hit about the fifth pew right here. Go tumbling. Where our focus is, is where our hearts go. That's what we see. Uh, Jesus says it in, in Matthew 6, 21. When, he, when he's talking about where your treasure is, there is your heart also. That where, where, where you spend your money, where you accumulate your goods, where you spend your time, the things that you do, that is where your heart is. Now here's the deal. Paul also says, so, so to this point, to this point, to this point, we have to be careful because, because the Christian faith is not an, an aimless faith. So when Paul says that, that I do not run aimlessly, I don't box like a beat, I'm not just doing religion for the sake of religion. When we talk about soul-minded folks, I'm not just doing religion so that way I can be a good person, so that way I can, I can have favor with God. No, no, no. There is, there is a, a goal and a purpose. And so when we, when we go to 2 Peter, so do me a favor, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. That the Christian faith is one that we move towards. See, it's the same thing when we're talking about any type of, of, of uh, training. And, and we don't have to, I mean, this can be physical training. This can be uh, uh, some sort of, of training for your job, whatever it is. But we are working towards a goal. Because if we're not working towards a goal, one, we're not driven. Two, we don't actually know where we're going. We're just kind of doing things. We're just throwing things together. And so we have a goal. And, and so when we look at this and we look at what, what 2 Peter says, starting in verse 5, it says, For this very reason... Make every effort. Remember when, when, when Paul was talking about going into strict discipline, controlling his body. The reason, oh, I closed the bit. The reason I read that other one is because I love the way that it talked about all of the runners in the race go into a strict system of discipline in everything that they do. Sorry, got off, back. Oh, got off track. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. We'll come back to, chapter, or to verse 8 in just a minute. We talk about this. Keep in mind, he's talking about that, that you are adding to. You're adding to. So I look, I look at this like a pyramid, okay? I look at this like a pyramid. So he starts off with you're adding to your faith. We start off with the, with the base of faith. Now here's the thing. Faith, when we're talking about the pyramid, faith is under the ground. Faith is the foundation that you do not see. Why? Because my faith, you can see the, 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 the actions of my faith, and that's going to get wrapped up in some of these others, but you can't actually see my faith. Two people, two people know my faith, me and God. And sometimes I even struggle with that, right? But that's the foundation here. And so as we go, that we continue to add on to top these virtues. And so it gets built a little bit higher and a little bit higher that we add to, we add to faith, we add uh, uh, goodness and knowledge and virtue. And, and as we add these things that we don't move from one to the next, it's not like, okay, I've conquered faith. Let's move over to the next block over here. We don't leave faith behind, but instead we build goodness on top of faith. We build knowledge on top of goodness. And, and what happens is as this pyramid gets built, as it gets higher and higher and higher, it becomes more and more apparent to the people that are around us. Because if you start looking that, 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 that we have faith to goodness and to goodness knowledge, 
knowledge, self-control, self-control, perseverance, all of these things start to become much more apparent to the people around us. So as we do what Paul did, as we go and we go to our jobs, we go to our meetings, we go to our hobbies and our clubs and we start living out this life, we start acting in this, these virtues. Or, or here's the deal, guys, there's, there's, there's uh, lists all through the New Testament. They love lists. You can go, I mean, uh, Paul and Peter and John and James, they, they all give, go find those lists. That as those lists become more and more apparent in your life, that the words that you say will be only strengthened by the actions that you have, by the way that you live your life, by the discipline that you give yourself over to in single-minded devotion. And so verse 8 for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is ineffective or unproductive of a vain faith that is only for me, right? See, there is a, there is a goal and there is a purpose to this. That God's call on our life has a target, it has, it has somewhere that we are being drawn to. It has a people that we are called to. It has a group that we are designed for. It's not just for me. It's not just so I can be happy and joyful within myself. It's not just so that way I can, I can, I can be more religious and built up and gain more things. It, it, it's none of those things. The reason that we walk in discipleship is because... Matthew 28, 19. The Great Commission, right? Like this is, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's Jesus, that's Jesus's command to us. Go and make disciples. You do that by living with them, by talking to them, by loving on them, by sharing them, by sharing to them, by taking these virtues and continuing to build that pyramid to a point where the very top one, love shines so brightly that it is a beacon that people are absolutely drawn to. And when they come to you and they say, there's something different about you, the way you love on people, the way that you talk to people, the way that you care for people, you know what 1 you know uh, Peter says is that you have a reason for the hope that you have within you. So when somebody comes and says, hey man, why are you so different? Man, have I got an answer for you. You ask the question, I'm gonna give you the answer. Welcome to evangelism, right there. Go and make disciples. I'm gonna close with this. The best definition of worship that I have ever heard in my life is living out the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. Living out the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. That's worship. So that's, 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 that's when we sing, that's the thing that most people go straight to. But, but when we're at work, when we're in our neighborhood, that we are living out the lordship, we're living out the commands, we're living out the requirements that Christ calls us to be under. It is that single-minded devotion that allows us to start moving in that direction, to put aside the things that are going to draw us away, to put aside all of those shiny objects that draw my attention, whether it's an outside shiny object that I go, whether it's an inside shiny object, whether I want you to just tell me how awesome and amazing I am, and then that's going to fulfill me as I walk out these doors. No. Living out the lordship of Christ. Remember what was, what was the mind of Christ? It was to come and to serve. In the same passage where he was 
giving the woes to the Pharisees, he was also saying, the first among you shall be last. The last will be first. This is, this is where you lay your life down. This is where you care and love for others. Father, once again, we come to you and we thank you for this day. We thank you so much for the opportunity to, to praise you and to seek you and to worship you. Lord, I, I thank you so much for, for everything that you are doing in this moment. Lord, I ask that you would continue to work in our hearts, Father, that as we, as we leave, these, leave these, these doors and we go, we go to, to restaurants, we go to homes, we go to neighborhoods, Father, that you would continue to put people in our way that we can encounter for you. That you can set those divine appointments, Father, that, that, that as we go, that the way that we love you, the way that we follow you is so apparent, is such a, 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 a draw, Father, that when people ask us why, we are the way we are, we can, we can point them to you. We can tell them and we can share. Father, I pray over anybody that is struggling right now, Lord, I, I, I ask that you would, you, would, you would comfort them, that you would guide them, that you would, you would bring them to, to your heart, bring them to, to your feet, Father. Lord, as, as, we, as we enter into a, a final song of worship, Lord, that a song of response that that, that if, if the response is to, to drop to our knees and to, to, to pray to you, to, to draw near to you, Father, if the response is to lift our hands and sing as loud as we can, if the response is, is, is to come to the front to, to, to seek prayer, to, to, to seek counsel, to, to seek anything, Father, I ask that in this time that you would work in those things, that you would draw those people near, Father, that you would continue to mold us, to work in us. Father, I ask that as we stand and we sing, Lord, that you would continue to move in all of the ways that you have already begun. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.